it's also it's a great way, very simple way to foster this collaborative culture. And fostering a collaborative culture means fixing sometimes it means fixing a broken communication or a broken chain of communication. Listening to the known unknowns with Henrik and William, producer Florence Dabane. Henrik, we've been mentioning culture a few times now. Yeah, like every episode we talk about culture. Yeah, it's. I guess it's time, isn't it, um, Henrik? You you've been working on some culture things. Yeah, <laughs> you've been. <laughs> You, you've been, I know, I know for a fact, you've been working on uh, with, uh, to make a hackathon at our org. Could you, uh, could you tell me, like, what's the elevator pitch for a hackathon? Elevator pitch. What's the elevator pitch for a hackathon? I mean, of course, it depends on what you want to achieve by arranging a hackathon. But from my point of view, because just like you, William, both of us, we are pretty... Uh, obsessed with collaboration and fostering a collaborative culture. So with that said, you can use Hackathon as a way to foster collaborative culture uh, within a workspace, within an organization. So have you done it before? Like what, what's been the like, what do you do at a hackathon? You you like gather like obviously pre-pandemic, like you gather a couple of people. Like what's what's been the how how have you done it? So yeah, the, there's a couple of of ways to do this, and it all it all also again it depends on what kind of hackathon you're doing. You could have you could have uh, you know quite open and general hackathon where where developers and designers and POs and whoever wants to join simply form different groups or teams, mini teams, working on ideas, mainly ideas of innovation, like innovative ideas that you never get time to explore uh, in your day-to-day work. So the main purpose of a hackathon is to put some effort and some amount of time into exploring uh, fields, exploring ideas, uh, exploring areas of interest that you don't have time to do in your day-to-day work. And you can do this either by arranging a, you know, a one-day hackathon, a two-day, two-day hackathon, or even hack weeks, you know, um, an entire week uh, focusing entirely on solving a, a specific problem or exploring a particular idea and i've done both i've done both hack weeks and hack days what what was the best one in your opinion that's a really difficult question because both types of hackathons are very very productive and very fascinating and exciting but in different ways so uh, for example I was uh, facilitating this hack week where we dived into a very specific topic. Uh, we were exploring this. It, it was an entirely new uh, system. It was a new software, in-house built software. And we were exploring different ways of actually utilizing 
this uh, software, this spe- uh, specific software, uh, during an entire week. And it, le- I mean, the results were, they were awesome. They were amazing. So that was really, really interesting, of course. But uh, then I've also, um, I've also facilitated these one-day uh, hackathons, these hack days, um, with just a bunch of different topics, you know, uh, between 10 and 20 different teams working on, on different ideas. Uh, and that's also super fascinating and exciting to see all of these different teams uh, trying to, f- you know, exploring these different topics, uh, creating prototypes, uh, which could range from something r- super simple and almost silly. I, I mean, once <laughs> there was this team uh, during a hack day working on a physical deploy button. For your information, this podcast is not endorsed by Raspberry Pi. <laughs> they were, they oh, were creating wow. a physical deploy button. I mean, yeah, didn't perhaps it didn't create very much value for the organization, but uh, they had a lot of fun. So, so, so that's where I want to come in. I think that's that's interesting. So you, you mentioned the hackathon as uh, a way to to make really cool things, but um, like I'm imagining. You know, and an, a developer being like, "Oh wow, great! Finally, I can make my deploy button. It's been my <laughs> lifelong dream to work for eight hours uh, or more to make a, a deploy button work that I had sitting around in the in the storage somewhere." We also mentioned culture uh, as uh, you know the the reason for doing this. So, I mean, personally, I, I can imagine like developers just running off and just uh, doing their thing. So, what's what stops that from happening in a, in a well-organized hackathon? Yeah, that's, of course, I mean, it's all a matter of balance. So you have to, you have to somehow balance different, different sort of aspects here. Because if your only goal, the only purpose is to, to somehow build culture, a culture of innovation or culture of, yeah, just, just have fun and be together, uh, then, yeah, I mean... You could just allow people to do anything. But the downside of that approach is, of course, that it probably won't add much value to, to the, um, like the, the, the main purpose of the company, the mis- business model of the company. And it doesn't have to, of course, but, but you know, worst case scenario is that it doesn't add value to the organization either. You know, it doesn't it doesn't foster the the kind of culture that you are trying to foster. Uh, it could just be, uh, yeah, this this really wacky day when you can do whatever you want to do, and then you go go ahead and do it. So, and if you're on your own, so that's why you know, as an elevator pitch, a hackathon could be a great tool for fostering a collaborative culture. But if that is your main purpose of arranging a hackathon then you need to balance these different aspects because obviously if like all developers and everybody if they just run on their own and do their own stuff that wouldn't really foster a collaborative culture now would it yeah i mean obviously i'm i'm wearing the devil's advocate hat right now devil's advocate. and uh 
It's <laughs> the ugly and hat. It's the, the ugly hat, yes, the ugliest one. But in my head, it's developers doing something together. <laughs> that's that's in a way that's team building, right? Yeah. You, you want them to uh, have some time to to build the, a good uh, team. Uh, I don't know morale. Yeah, like, I, that's a, that can be a good thing, I suppose. Absolutely. So it's it all boils down to what you want to achieve with the hackathon. So like what we're trying to do now when we're working on this hackathon at our workplace, uh, the main purpose of the hackathon is to foster a collaborative culture. And again, like balancing different aspects and, and factors, taking different aspects into account, you don't want to have too many restrictions, of course. S- to some extent, restrictions are kind of necessary, I would say. Uh, but there is, restri- I mean, you could have a restriction which isn't, you know, uh, a very visible restriction. You could just have um, a framework of a hackathon or like boundaries within this this hackathon that you are arranging. And of course, yeah, nicer mean, words, basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hear you. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So it depends on the scope of the hackathon. Um, there's a new fancy piece of technology. There's a new, I don't know, a new team. Um, you want to work on improving some collaborative aspects. I mean, uh, knowing your background, Henrik, mm-hmm. as a product owner, and uh, well, I, I'm sure you have more hats than one. But as a product owner, I'm guessing that. This is another way that you could uh, use the hackathons to involve uh, non-developers, I suppose. Exactly. That's also why hackathons can be utilized as a very effective tool to foster collaboration and like cross-functional collaboration. Because if you are able to involve people outside, even outside the development department, so to speak, I mean... Talking about different different kind of kinds of disciplines within within a development, a product development department, um, meaning like uh, developers, um, product owners, business analysts, UX designers, and whatever. If you can also involve people from outside IT or outside the development department, um, that really also fosters this this kind of collaborative mindset at least it, it has the potential to foster this kind of culture and and uh, sort of increasing people's or widening people's um, um, perspectives so yeah. and basically that that's yeah. that's what we you and I William that's what we're all about you and I we're trying to foster collaboration in in multiple ways I mean in uh, earlier episodes, we've been talking about lean UX. Lean UX, is, that's just a set of principles in order to foster collaboration. We talked about mob programming or like mob development, uh, which is, is the term we usually use nowadays, uh, as a, a means to an end as well, as a way to foster collaboration. And like you, William, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, are, you are basically everywhere at our workplace. It's, it's not... It, 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 it's kind of 
every day it gets harder and harder to to pinpoint uh, what teams you which teams you're working with, William, and what you're what exactly you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I wish I could say it's getting clearer. <laughs> but I mean, I, I say this um, in a good sense. But if yeah, sure. I would put on this uh, devil's advocate uh, role, if I put on the, the ugliest of the ugliest hats now, why is it so important for you, William, to foster collaboration? Why is it so important for you to collaborate? Oh, it's... I just... Um... I think it's the, the way that I see it is that there are we have a lot of people employed with trying to develop the business, you know, like, hey, what's the data? What, like, how can we increase, you know, conversions, all these, you know, fancy, fancy areas that you could you, you, you could work with professionally. And then you have developers who have a couple of ideas for how to improve site efficiency. Uh, they have obviously ideas how to implement things. I'm talking about web developers now, but obviously, I mean, <laughs> any any kind of developer uh, has uh, some, some specialty. And it's uh, when when I'm sitting, I mean, I'm sitting between chairs. I don't know if I'm sitting on any chair. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging chairs. in a rope. Yeah, in the middle of the room. <laughs> uh, with, uh, and it, it's... Um, it's it's interesting to see that there are a lot of people with these great ideas uh, from different aspects. Uh, it's it's th the thing that I can see is quite common is that people have uh, th they are sort of staying in their area of expertise a lot of the times, and and it's it's kind of a bummer because. I mean, I guess, yeah, it, it relates back to having mob sessions and mob development, uh, being in a group of people uh, doing a, a certain task or a set of tasks. Uh, but I think collaboration is more than just developers working together. Uh, and, and I can see that what I spend most of my time on is to try to bridge things between these different departments. And it's funny because, you know, Sometimes uh, I've started working with a certain team and it's it went to a point where everyone in the team or I mean most of the people in the team had like reached a point where they're like okay I guess like let's focus on the the next task together uh, and the, it could be BAs and designers and and whatever and that they'll just be working together and then i'm like oh wow i'm totally useless now uh <laughs> and then i just i just uh, well i guess i do know some development and they're like yeah you know you're still welcome and i'm like yeah thanks uh but i can there's still plenty of teams where it's like yeah we, like we we need clear instructions we like we need the jiras or or tickets uh and we need to uh, distribute those tickets to uh, to teams and and the, the, then the teams need to decide on a technical level and i'm just like oh that's a lot of work <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's it would be nicer if we could just uh, i don't know if, if we could just uh, say that hey this team is now gonna care about how the site like uh, how the site feels like on a in a general aspect like what's the what is the what is the pain of this website right now that we can just improve uh, the general awesomeness uh, of and uh, 
the team just says, well, let's get to work. You know, they have a BA, they have a designer and they can they can do all of that, you know, in, in their in their own team. In that kind of team, I would be, uh, you know, not so useful. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I kind of wish that was just the case everywhere. Um, but I mean, yeah, most of my work is is bridging all these different uh, between dif these different uh, roles, and um, I I can't see that I'm getting less busy. <laughs> so you know, I'm. <laughs> I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to become more redundant by just letting teams start up in this, uh, this kind of uh, uh, behavior instead. Uh, but it, it's really, it's, I don't know, it, it depends a lot on, on so many factors. So you don't always have the luxury of, of doing that. I, I've seen moments where there have been like a, a, a time where team, the team was really into the work uh, together. And then that just completely died off uh, due to change of you know priorities. Uh, maybe a different project came in uh, of work that needs to be done or something. Mm. So it's it's a constant struggle. Uh, but it's not just developers that need to improve here. Uh, I kind of lost, lost track of the question, Hendrik. But but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you are simply being William. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were to, if I were to take off the ugly devil's advocate hat, uh, from my perspective, it's also uh, it comes down to to basically two things: uh, learning and communicating. So, like working with product development, that's that's an ongoing type of learning. You have to, you you can never you can never stop learning stuff. Whenever you Whenever you feel so confident that you basically just stop learning or stop wanting to learn new stuff, that's when you should stop working with product, digital product development in general, I think. And also yeah. when it comes to to when it comes to the communication, I think, and this this is also it kind of uh, I'm I'm kind of annoyed that I still have to refer to something as old as the Agile Manifesto. <laughs> I mean, the Agile Manifesto is turning 20 years <laughs> this year. And that's... Hey, it's, it's past the teenage years. Yeah, it's past the teenage years. I mean, this is... to try. Yeah. In, in, a, in a digital <laughs> environment, this, this, is like, this is like two centuries, sort of. But we are still referring to the Agile Manifesto. And it's because we have to. Because even, as you know, the 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 agile manifesto uh, it contains uh four values and 12 principles and the four values they are very very simple but they are so i mean even the first value of the agile manifesto is individuals and interactions over processes and tools that's the first value and it's so often overlooked because like you say, like you know, creating a bunch of tasks in in Jira or or whatever tool you are using, or setting up these these different processes, it's like why don't you just talk to each other? <laughs> uh, 
I, I remember when you when when I when we sort of first had our had our first interactions, Henrik, and uh, I think you almost at some point uh, I I was almost pissed off at, <laughs> that you, there were no Jiras <laughs> in your team. And I was like, there's there's no this is not getting anywhere, <laughs> and and you know the irony of that was that I said, well, there are no Jiras, so. I better get to work because <laughs> otherwise nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and then and now we're we're doing things in 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 the teams that you're involved with. And I'm like, damn it, we didn't need Jiras. Yeah. I thought we needed Jiras uh, or or tickets or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, as a it's funny because what you mentioned with the the, the Agile Manifesto, uh, um, you know, Kent Beck, one of the sort of I'm, I mean, he was the founder of Extreme Programming, I believe. Yes. Uh, sort of one of the big, uh, yeah, he had big involvement in the manifesto. Yes. Uh, and I, I listened to uh, his experience with uh, Facebook that he joined uh, a while back. I'm not sure if he's still there, but he was there for, for a while. Um, and he mentioned that, I mean, a lot of the principles that he had learned about, uh, like TDD and, and ways of working uh, at Facebook, that was just like, yeah, you know we're we don't quite do it the same way and kent beck's mind was just blown because <laughs> they were doing things in a completely different way and, but it was still working uh so it's like i mean each company still has to find their own way of doing things i, I remember he said something like you know teams like they're like tests why do we need tests here uh, <laughs> and yeah so yeah so without going into too much detail facebook has like at least or what i've what i heard from back then was that they have different strategies per team so a team that just needs to innovate they they have a different strategy than a team that needs to sort of maintain some type of profit making machine uh so it's different and i, I can imagine you wouldn't want to write tests in in one of these uh, strategies um like you said it it, it of course there are a bunch of things that that differ from company to company and they should differ because different companies in different sectors they have different different kinds of challenges they have different business models they have different products and product strategies and whatever so ob obviously uh yes there are differences and there should be differences but whatever kind of differences you have uh in a in a particular like sector or sphere or you know companies uh, when you have a lot of people that that don't communicate or like communicate in a bad way, that's just that's equivalent to a failure, uh, yeah. to some extent. And I, I've been in a, like the worst culture I've been in uh, has been where a company was basically organizing rooms per role like per title oh so like discipline like yeah. this is the ux room this is the the, the developer room or like programmer yeah room. exactly there was a room with a 3d specialist uh <laughs> there was a room with a, like uh you know lead roles like architectural responsibilities and, and such uh, there was a room for backenders there was a room for frontenders <laughs> and it was i mean it was so it was so weird like we didn't ever discuss things across boundaries and when you had to leave a room to go into another one it was it was so hard to just first you had to like talk about understanding each other's you know motivations and and stuff like that just i was it was really bad on it 
I think the only person I could justify getting some peace was the the guy who took care of all the bug reports that came in. You <laughs> uh, definitely needed to have some peace every now and then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the, I mean, let's not even talk about you know the the, the product lead and such. They were on different floors, even. <laughs> so I <that> was like, <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> I have a stereotypically the developers were in the basement, so that, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, IT in the basement. So yeah, I have a couple of these examples as well both of of sort of you know what i would refer to as sort of toxic culture but also Mm -hmm. a few like examples of when communication isn't working properly so uh if i would start with just a short anecdote of the the toxic culture at least in my eyes yeah yeah let's hear it yeah yeah so um at a former workplace we were we had we were divided in, into uh, there were like like a lot of teams. Um, we all belong to to the same company, and I mean all of the developers and people working with uh, digital product development were organized in in the same company. But we were working with different different outlets, so to speak, um, because this is a company that that owns is a company that's that is the owner of multiple other companies so and it, within one of these companies uh one of the companies within the company they <laughs> have a very competitive culture if you look at the pure business aspect it's very very competitive if i were to describe describe it you know personally i would say that it's a very macho culture competitive macho culture Mm. Uh, not very attractive to me but um, the developers within this particular company they also established sort of a a lighter uh, version of this highly competitive macho culture Um, to the extent that they were capable of being macho you know like they're still developers (laughs) <laughs> I mean if you sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, so but but if you if you told them that the I mean when I spoke to to their the head of development for example and mentioned this that you know you have a very macho competitive culture he would just deny it. No, no we don't. Business they have a macho competitive culture but we don't. We don't. We have a very inclusive culture blah blah. Yeah. But then we're, we're I, winning at the inclusiveness. Yeah, we're yeah. winning. We, yeah, exactly. We're winning at the inclusiveness. Yeah. But the thing <laughs> is, whenever they hired a new developer, do you know what they did? They took the no. developer, regardless of who this developer was, they took him or her to a steakhouse. And then they ordered, <laughs> you know, the 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 largest steak on the menu and like, eat it. And then you're the, part the, of the family. The rarest beef. Like yeah. you, yeah. You almost have to hunt it yourself, you know, and then the ritual is complete. Yeah. So, and I mean, of course, this company they, or this department, um, they had, th- I mean, parts of their culture was really great, actually. I mean, so they had this culture where everybody could just seamlessly move from one team to, to another. So oh. there were li- very few people who stayed within a team for more than, you know, a year or two. Because then it was like, yeah, I want to try something new. And they were also 
um, they were sort of empowered and encouraged to switch teams and try different things. So, so there were a lot of positive components in, in this culture, but then they had these very super negative components where <laughs> the macho culture was, was one such super toxic uh, component. That's super interesting that it was that flexible. I, I, I really wish that was more common. I, I kind of feel like there's there's a lot of people who would benefit from, you know, just flexing their, you know, standing up, looking around a bit and like, hey, that's that looks interesting over there. And yeah. just sort of ad hoc, have a look, you know. It, I mean, if you want people to care about the development, then, you know, there are they are going to be attracted to I mean, there's no guarantee that they'll be attracted to what they're assigned to all the time. And uh, I mean, obviously, everyone knows that what you're doing needs to have some business value. Uh, I mean, we were poking fun at hackathons that people did a big deploy button. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that that's because maybe they were understimulated mm. with uh, doing the work that they felt passionate about at work. So, you know, that sort of freedom is good. Setting up these environments where people within the company can can meet each other and, and talk, even if it's just, you know, it, it doesn't have to be very complicated. Just setting up these environments, it, it's also, it's a great way, very simple way to foster this collaborative culture. And fostering a collaborative culture means fixing, sometimes it means fixing a broken communication or a broken chain of communication. So... If I were, to, I'm gonna take the the other example now, and the other example of of um, you know what I would would consider a failure of uh, a failure of communication is when I was a PO of a team, and and uh, I should mention that throughout the years I've been working with product development. I've worked with offshore teams. I've worked with in-house teams. I've worked with in-house teams in a different location than the location I'm in. So, mm. and this was the case in this example, I was PO of a team and the team was located in a different city than, than, than I. And I had this uh, discussion with one of the developers where uh, the developer, were, he was looking into an API and he had some, he had some questions uh, because the documentation wasn't as thorough. So he couldn't get the, he couldn't get the answer from just reading the, the documentation and he asked me about it and I had obviously no idea um, and then you know it turns out that on this this page the documentation page there was a name of the the person who not only had set up the documentation but also uh, had like set up the API and had like all of the answers mm -hmm. and the developer was like yeah I emailed him but he I, I emailed him a couple of days ago but he he never responded so so I basically just called him, you know, I picked up the phone and I called him and I asked. And within five minutes, I had a link to, you know, I don't even remember what it was, but he, yeah, I'm going to send you a link and, and you can just look at that and, and everything will be clear. So I just forwarded it to, to the developer and the developer was like, oh, but what? Wow. How could you do it that fast? I, I feel I, uh, I submitted this form where I blah, blah, something, something, but I never got a reply. And, and the thing is that the guy that I called, he was actually located in the same city as the developer. 
he was basically just, you know, a one minute walk away because he was sitting in the same office. <laughs> he, he was like, he was within wow. his, his eyesight <laughs> and I was on the other side of the country. <laughs> like I just picked and, up your phone and called him and talked to him instead of just yeah. passively sending an email or passively submitting a form. Communication. communication. And there, could, I mean, there could be so many underlying reasons for the, why the person chose that that approach. I mean, a forum sounds that sounds like a good way to not bother someone else, right? You're following <laughs> how it should be, I'm following a protocol. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, following a protocol. I, I think there's a. Uh, I mean, yeah, like if you look at the, but I mean, there there are sayings which are like, you know, if you don't follow the, the people who don't follow the commands are the ones who helped win the war and, and stuff like that. You know, they, they figure out things as they go. Hmm. I think swarming is a pretty well-known term at this point that you have uh, people just, they just swarm to find the solution. And I, in a sense, that's that's aligns well with uh, mob programming. Like, oh, hey, we're five people here. We don't know the answer. Let's just call him in. Mm. Like, we, we don't say, oh, we're all blocked by this issue. Let's submit a form and hope we get the answer. <laughs> and I, I mean, if you're a single person, like, and you're just sort of like having this work and you also have a bunch of other work, yeah, maybe the form sort of justified that he could move on to the other thing or, or I don't, I don't know, but I, I agree. Like that's just the fact that that person was alone when you bring this up makes me a little concerned. Like mm. that's maybe, I mean, you, you don't always get, you don't always get to choose. Right. But, yeah. um, it's, I, I prefer that there's a, not a, not a you in this, in the singular way, but mm. a, in, in a group. Um, and, like on on the topic of uh, communication uh, and like collaborating, I, I it's it's one last thing that I really want to like bring with me here uh, to talk about. Um, you know, whenever you have, uh, whenever you talk to people, everyone, I mean, most people tend to say, yeah, of course, communication is really important. Uh, and uh, collaboration, and and then you know the details. The devil's in the details, right? So <laughs> collaboration between whom exactly, and you know, and so on. Uh, but uh, we had a, a discussion recently where we saw uh, that you know we, we want to hire people for teams, and and we see that uh, these are some really strong hires, and they're saying all the right things. Mm. Uh, but the team is really. Uh, at, at its infancy and we want to build a team you know in a way that that feels right for the current members and you know and, and so on uh, and so we actually uh, as an experiment we we brought the uh, mob session uh, or the mob development format into uh, a couple of interviews and it was it was like I think I mean I've not done a ton of interviews, uh, but that was the the the, the best interview I've had. Mm. <laughs> I mean I, I was interviewing obviously, uh, but but it was it was really like when you you can hear someone talk about how important it is to work together and so on and so on, uh, but actually having a session where you're just doing some you know you can do any random code technical challenge like imagine typical whiteboarding. But you do it together as a team. Uh, you invite people from from the organization to 
try to solve the challenge as well. Uh, and then you rotate, you know, responsibilities, like who's navigating, who's typing and, you know, all that usual stuff. Um, but uh, then you really get to see, I mean, all nerve, I mean, nervousness aside, we know interviews are, are tough, but, but uh, you get to see at least a glimpse of how that person would interact with your, perhaps his future or her future teammates or, just people in general, and I, I thought that was really fascinating. It can it can tell you so much about someone uh, when you see them actually get to work with a couple other people. Uh, do they pref- You can you can see fairly quickly. Are they used to working alone? Like, is it hard for them to express how to do something in the code? That maybe they're just good at typing code. Uh, or are they, you know, are they uh, asserting a lot of things that they think is right, uh, which can be hard to change their mind about? Uh, that's something that I, I feel was a really useful uh, way to, to to try to, you know, uh, raise the curtains a bit behind the, the, the fluffy word of collaboration. Like yeah. this person view collaboration, uh, basically. And we should probably also mention that that this particular case. I mean, first of all, it's it's like an experiment, so still in its infancy. I guess we might uh, do an entire episode about it because it was very very fascinating and and exciting. But I, I guess we should also mention that we did this instead of a traditional code challenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, um, no homework. You know, no live whiteboarding or or anything like that. Yeah. So and and of course I mean because just like you mentioned William for us it's it's very important because we are setting this with this particular team uh, or the, the the two teams that are collaborating uh, quite a lot in the project we're working with right now uh, we are trying to establish this this very very high degree of collaboration uh, so we have implemented mob development uh, in our day to day work. And we are adhering to lean UX principles and all of these uh, things. So that was just a very good idea. And you should get credit for this, William, because it was your idea to, instead of having this uh, traditional code challenge or, you know, code test, I don't know what you call them, uh, but... I don't. I don't even know. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be associated with any of that whiteboarding. <laughs> <laughs> but it, basically, your idea was instead of having this like code challenge slash code test, send it to to the candidate, and then like yeah, a few days later you get the result. Uh, your idea was to could, couldn't we do this in a mob session instead? So we did, and we've done it twice now, and it's been super interesting, uh, exciting, and valuable. At this point, because just like you say, it's very easy to say, yeah, I'm all for collaboration. It's super important to work together. But uh, yeah, the devil's the devil is in the details. And it's also exactly. like when we talk about collaboration, uh, one of the things that I often notice and I, I often, you know, get <laughs> get annoyed with is is the mix up of the word collaboration and the word cooperation. It's not the same thing. I mean, for Christ's sake, uh you uh, a perpetrator could could cooperate you know <laughs> you could be a suspect <laughs> cooperating with the police that's not the same thing as collaborating it's a totally different thing uh, yeah that's uh, true like the po the, the, the product owner like agrees to join one meeting or something 
they're like instead of that's like oh yeah i'm gonna cooperate with you developers now yeah <laughs> you obviously need something from me i don't know what <laughs> i'm the usual suspect and this time uh i've, I've agreed to cooperate with you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so I, c- I can also mention that uh, there's a website called the uh, cyber uh, dojo uh, that is called cyber-dojo.org uh, it doesn't maybe look like the best website ux wise but it's really uh, a great way to 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 attempt to do these uh, interviews in in a mob session format it's quite you don't have to worry about tooling uh, basically when you get started with it that's just a tip as well a full disclosure here we don't get paid for recommending cyber for their dojo bad ux mentioning cyber no. dojo <laughs> <laughs> no and if you enter the website i'm sure you'll be convinced as well that we don't get paid I, it, <laughs> no no it's a great website and they have many programming languages it just um it it definitely doesn't look corporate if you know what i mean uh, it looks you know yeah non-commercial uh i think they have a, a way to to sponsor them and you know please consider that if you think that's that's a great way to uh to 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 uh conduct interviews uh we're certainly learning about it uh, as well yeah uh, you, you so, could yeah. say actually that it looks like a prototype from a hackathon session <laughs> yes exactly yeah giving me more ideas i still want to do a mob timer for the hackathon and yeah. i'm saying that to everyone i'm influencing the culture that everyone wants to do a mob timer as a as a project we'll see how that goes yeah so we got the full circle now so to speak so just to sort of wrap this up you could say because many of the things that have been mentioned here, like the the mob interview sessions, it's also a way. It's it it was also a way for for our team to collaborate in a in a slightly different way and also learn stuff about about each other, not just the other candidates. So it's it was also a way to foster collaboration, uh, just yeah. like you know if you have a best of demo or just joint demos uh, in any kind of, of form, as well as arranging hackathon. It's just, it's about creating environments for people to meet and communicate and hopefully do things together. Yeah, for sure. And uh, remember for a mob interview, it's not about solving the challenge. It's about learning or working together. So yeah, exactly as you said, Hendrik. That's so it's, the really important. It's perfectly fine to pick the most boring challenge ever, because it is yeah. much more fun to do boring stuff together than doing it alone. Yeah. Like a ten, <laughs> like a tennis scoring system. That's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm poking at you. Okay, yeah. so for for the record, I love tennis, and I actually <laughs> chose the the tennis tennis scoring system. <laughs> challenge yes. you you were the po of the tennis scoring yeah. you could tell all the developers about how tennis works and it was it was hilarious to hear about it and you yeah. know what i, I d- i've done the same now because i was a, a uh, in my in my teenage years i was a, a bowler i played a lot of bowling 10 pin bowling and i uh, chose the the bowling scoring system as the code challenge <laughs> and I, i'm sure several people hate me for <laughs> choosing that challenge uh but 
but I was the basically the PO of those challenges. I could tell you how to calculate the scoring system. So I, I relate with you, Henrik. <laughs> William the bowler banting. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds so great. Yeah, it's it's a wonder that I ever quit bowling. Yeah. You've been listening to the known unknowns with Henrik and William. Until next time. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can send questions, feedback, or suggestions on future topics through our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash knownunknowns. Just click the message button, record your message, and hit send. You can use either a computer or a mobile phone, and you don't need the Anchor app.